Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. So we're well into Ramadan 2023 and people are getting used to now the reduced working hours in the region, watching lots of Ramadan shows, media consumption is always higher at this time of the year, uh, but also business goes on, the interest rates continue to rise uh, globally and in Egypt this week, inflation is subsiding, but it's still there, macro factors are at play, uh, although job cuts are being done across the world, uh, particularly about the tech giants, they continue to lay people off. Uh, apart from their offices being affected in this region, the opposite is happening as people continue to invest in startups here. Uh, hiring is abundant and uh, you know the performance and outlook on the GDP across the region, particularly in UAE and KSA, uh, is positive for this year. And that's what we're seeing as well. It's a very active Q1 that we're just at the end of. Uh, and to that point, we have a promising and enthusiastic uh, entrepreneur on the show today to talk about how he's building a social media network, a community-based network uh, for in Dubai and, and um, to expand elsewhere as well. Enjoy the conversation. Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. Today, today we are joined by Rene Morgan. He is the COO and co-founder of High App. It's a private social network for neighborhoods in the UAE and serves as a way for communities to share local recommendations and keep up to date with local announcements, reunite with lost pets, buy and sell pre-loved goods, organize local meetups, and so much more. So Rene is a really uh, passionate and uh, intelligent, I would say, uh, a startup entrepreneur in the UAE, part of what's so exciting about the ecosystem at the moment. So we're going to hear all about his backstory and what Hayy have been up to, the community-based platforms in the UAE, and just the, the general ecosystem around what's happening, and then looking ahead to the future. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction. Glad to be on the podcast. And thanks for joining. So we had a good catch up at Step Conference recently. So it's nice to sit down and talk about it and share it with the public. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's not, Step Conference is great, but it's nice to also just have a private moment where we can, uh, you know, talk about things a bit more in depth and away from the hustle and bustle. Yeah, it was. It was. There is quite hustle and bustle at conferences at the moment. So yeah. So how are things going? How's high? Can you tell us a bit about, you know, what's the elevator pitch? What's the platform? Of course. I think you did a great job just now. Uh, but yeah, we're a hyperlocal social network or a neighborhood application for your local community. So uh, the, the real thing we're trying to build or, or that what we're building is an application where you uh, sign up and you can connect with everyone and everything in your local area, right? Uh, almost a super app for your, for your local community. But at the core, we're a social network, so we want to connect 
people. We feel like um, in Dubai especially, but in, in general across the entire world, urbanized cities have become so disconnected uh, on a neighborhood level. People don't really know their neighbors anymore. People don't say hi in the elevators. Um, and we really want to bring back that sense of community. Now, Aside from that, there are also other features. You know, you can buy and sell on that on that platform with your neighbors in, in the surrounding area, find recommendations and discounts, uh, and so much more. But yeah, uh, like I said, the core is to connect people. Core, core is to connect people. And high comes from high, or is there another meaning to it? So uh, there are a couple of meanings, actually, which we found out later on. But uh, high is, it's, it's a nice word for saying hi, yes. But the original is hai, which means my neighborhood in, in Arabic. Okay, uh, amazing. So what, what, when did the company found and what's been the journey so far? Awesome. So, uh, so the journey, we, we pretty much launched in our first neighborhood in 2021. Now, I came together with my co-founder and childhood friend, Chris Donnell. Uh, he's the CEO of the company. Uh, we go way back, went to primary school here in Dubai together. We were both born and raised here. And um, the idea really came just when COVID hit. Uh, we felt there could be more could be done to connect uh, local communities in Dubai uh, in line with a smart city vision. Um, and then uh, Chris, Chris and I came up with the idea of of a neighborhood application. And then parallel to that, we've seen um, we're seeing big successes abroad, particularly in the U.S. and South Korea, um, of this phenomenon of neighborhood applications, hyper-local social networks. In the U.S., you've got Nextdoor, which is listed on the New York Stock Exchange, and then you've got another unicorn in South Korea. But here in MENA, we really saw a, a, a blue ocean, uh, and that really, uh, you know, made us step for, made us take a step forward uh, and kick this thing off. And 2021, beginning of 2021, we started in our first neighborhoods. Um, uh, and when you're starting a startup, you really have to validate uh, the product, validate the, you know, the the USP, uh, the pain point that you're trying to uh, alleviate. And that's what we did just in just a couple of neighborhoods, um, and then went into fundraising. We grew a little bit more, and yeah, now now we're here. Okay, amazing. So was it a case of, uh, let's see what's missing in the UAE? Or was it more sort of, did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Or was it more like uh, you're kind of working in engineering or tech background and you were able to code something that you think could work? Um, so my background is actually in VC, so finance VC. That's how I got in touch with a with a startup a startup ecosystem. Maybe I'll just give a little bit of a background where where I come from and how I got to this point. I was born and raised here in Dubai. Uh, then I moved to Germany. I'm half German, half Egyptian. I uh, did my schooling there, and then I went to South Africa to study uh, economics and, and finance. Um, and that's when I joined a VC in, in South Africa, really fell in love with the uh, entire idea of um, having or seeing tangible impact from a VC perspective when you're investing in startups, but also when you're actually building that product. I always say, if we look, you know, uh, if, if we look 10 years back, how did we order food? How did we get from point A to B? How did we watch movies? How did we listen to music? That all changed because of startups and, and, and VCs. So that's, that's, um, that's what I was always passionate about, really just building the products. Even though my background is in finance, I also went into banking afterwards here in Dubai. Um, but that's that's how I got got into the startup ecosystem. And what's Chris's background? Chris's background, so we complement each other quite well, thankfully. So his back is, background is in sales and marketing, right? I, have, um, I come more from like a data point of view, uh, obviously financial side, and Chris really, you know, rocks the, the commercial side, the partnership side of things. Yeah. And uh, then do you have, how did you handle the tech? How did you go about building the product? 
Oh, so we we have a, a CTO, a great great guy. So he's uh, um, he built the engineering team for Twitter in India. Uh, so he's got he's a social networks specialist and an ad tech specialist, which, which really uh, complements our entire skill set. And he's heading our our tech team. So it's all been plain sailing. Uh, well, I mean, you, you know how the startup ecosystem is, how, how the startup life cycle is. There's, there's highs and there's lows. You just have to go through, go through it. And, um, uh, but in terms of uh, the core team that we built, we're really, really happy. So we all complement each other. And it's, I think it's really important when you're building a team to find people that don't think like you. Um, you need excellent communication skills, but this is how you prevent, uh, or, you know, prevent large losses, missteps um, uh, by, you know, yeah, complementing each other's skill set and having different perspectives on the founding team, for sure. And so the launch in 2021, when did you guys, uh, did you and Chris get together and say, hey, let's, you know, we're both working, we both got careers, let's go and leave our careers and do a startup? So this was, I think, during COVID time, right? Yeah. So just, just, just after COVID hit, that's when uh, um, uh, Chris already worked on, um, like an initial MVP with an agency. And then we saw it working a little bit in one neighborhood. And then we said, okay, let's, let's, let's go on all in uh, on this. And then, yeah, 2021 was when we launched in our first neighborhoods. We saw traction. So we saw people stay on the application. Um, and uh, really the, the number one metric we were following during this time was the retention rate. When you're launching a product, the key thing to really look at is are you retaining your customers? You, know, you can get as many downloads as you want, but if you, if you can't retain them, there's no point in growing that user base. So when we saw that the retention was really, really high, the eight-week retention, um, that's when we saw, okay, this is this is what we want to do. This is uh, this is something we can grow. Let's raise our pre-seed round, um, and that's yeah, we raised a small pre-seed round of just around three hundred thousand dollars in two thousand twenty-one. Um, got uh, you know more of a tech team around around a product uh, made an MVP version 2 basically at the, the first iteration was just uh, a social feed but yeah then then we built on that with a pre-seed round and so going back to that time uh, what was the what was the neighborhood that you started in so we started in uh, Arabian ranches I believe that's because yeah that's where my, my co-founders from and how did how did people stay on what kept them on the app initially when it was just them joining? What kept them there at the start? And what gave you confidence that there was enough there for them? So th that's a great question. And, and you're asking the data guy here. So yeah, <laughs> the, uh, from a metric perspective, the, uh, we, we could see people were just opening the app. Uh, you know, multiple times every week just to ch see what's happening. And now from a, uh, and we could see that with the retention rate and there's uh, a measure called stickiness, how many of the monthly active users return on a weekly basis, very important for any network-based product. But from a qualitative aspect, really what I think was the unique selling point and the, the, per the reason why we had such high retention rate was because of the hyper-localness of the application. People knew that uh, that they were, there was a verified user base that is really just, you know, maybe right next door to you, full of users that are just a couple of minutes walk and knowing that everything that gets posted on the application is relevant. If it's an announcement, if it's a lost and found, if it's a recommendation, uh, and plus it's a verified environment. Yeah. Okay. So interesting. And, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, the, the features of the app. Like if I download it today, uh, we mentioned it at the start, but uh, what, are, what are people doing on the app at the moment and how many people there are and what communities are you in now? 
Perfect. So um, uh, now taking a step back, our mission is to digitize the neighborhood ecosystem mm -hmm. and all the entities within. Uh, now at the core, it's the neighbors, it's the residents that create the neighborhood. Um, and But we're also digitizing the community management aspect. So real estate developers can send out notices um, and local businesses. Local businesses form SMEs and, and even private individuals that have home businesses. Um, we wanted to connect all of those together. So At the core, we have a social feed, which is just like, you know, similar to Facebook, I would say, um, likes, commenting. There's also private messaging aspects. Um, Uh, bless you. <laughs> Private messaging aspect to it. So p neighbors can message each other. Now, obviously, there's, you know, very, uh, message requests, blocking features and all that for privacy. Uh, and the other major feature is the marketplace. So people can list second-hand cars, furniture, whatever they want to want to sell, and they can choose to sell just to their community or nearby communities. Um, so that gives them a bit of uh, flexibility on how much they actually want to, you know, drive, let's say, to buy or sell yeah. uh, an item. And the third big feature is um, a local office section. So people can... Um, open that section and find businesses that are nearby, find businesses that are offering special discounts just for their community. Now, from a business perspective, so we have two users, right? We have the neighbor users and the business users. Business users are are enabled to access communities that are most relevant uh, to them. Geo-targeted advertising, essentially. So how does the network effect work in, in the case of multiple communities? Because if you get people on from one community, they've no real interest or they've no real uh, benefit of being involved in another community if they don't live there. So you have to start all over again. So, uh, you know, whereas with, with social networks, it's kind of multiplies because you can be friends with everyone yeah. in any community or any country. Yeah. So does it work? That, is it a different network effect? That, that's an, that's actually an excellent point. And I see you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're quite knowledgeable in this area to even ask this question, but 100%. So network effect uh, amplifies and compounds when there's one big network, TikTok, for example, right? As the larger it grows, the, 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 the more it, uh, you know, exponentially grows. With neighborhood apps, Hai as an example, but also Nextdoor and Dangan Market in South Korea and a couple in Europe, you're not dealing with one social network. Um, you're dealing with a hundred across the entire city. Now there is some bleed over effect with the neighborhood. So we have like a nearby neighborhoods feature where you, if you're just looking for a tennis buddy, uh, you don't really mind if they're in the neighborhood next door, right? So there's a little bit of a bleed over effect into these neighbor, into the other neighborhoods. Plus the marketplace is also accessible, um, on a wide, wider degree. Uh, but yeah, that was the unique obstacle I would say for us because we had to go into every single neighborhood, uh, in the beginning. And that was, that was quite an interesting time. Um, just after COVID, we couldn't have events or anything. So we had to hustle our way into, uh, getting that critical first critical mass, I would say a minimal viable network. And we had to do that a hundred times across the city. So Chris and I, we went into communities, uh, kind of guerrilla, guerrilla style. Um, we put our t-shirts on, uh, and just put, collected trash in every single community. We went in, snuck in, I would say almost, and collected trash and posting those photos and, and, and posting awareness of our you know, initiative uh, got quite a bit of traction in, uh, on, uh, on Facebook uh, specifically. So you posted this in the Facebook groups that you're picking up trash in those neighborhoods. Yes, exactly. So initially we just wanted to raise awareness about what we're doing and that turned out into a full-on uh, recycling initiative. We didn't expect getting like uh, you know, hundreds of comments on each of those posts. We want to join. We want to clean up trash as well. Uh, we want to you know, do something for our neighborhood. Uh, 
Um, so instead of you know just getting uh, just a couple of downloads through a once-off advertising whatever in an area, we got like 300, 400 downloads in a day in a community. Uh, and not that, not just that, but we got users and people that actually wanted to join on this initiative. And that evolved down the line to even Demak and uh, Nahil reaching out to us. And together we organized a full-on recycling and cleaning cleanup drive initiative in JVC, in Discovery Gardens, and Palm Jumeirah as well. We partnered with BIA, which is a also a recycling sustainability company. That was amazing. So uh, Nahil did a great job of uh, organizing like a kids playing area. Uh, we went around, collected trash. The kids actually went to the recycling bin bins and and made a made a game out of putting the right trash in the right in the correct recycling uh, holes basically fair enough so super smart so instead of putting an ad a graphic on the greens facebook group saying download my app you're putting pictures of you guys cleaning up the trash uh, with your t-shirts on and it's generating loads of comments because people in that targeted space or have a vested interest in a clean neighborhood yeah and then by default, it's getting downloads. However, you're not, uh, you're not a, a recycling company. You're actually a, a social network, which is trying to replace the place where you put the comments in the first place. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I trust and I, I'm sure sustainability is part of values and part of what Hai wants to do. But ultimately, it was a growth hacking approach and quite a clever one. Uh, essentially, yeah. We, we, we had limited options uh, what to do in the beginning. And I think if you go into any network-based products, um, they have quite an interesting life cycle. All of them at the beginning had to do something weird, had to growth hack their way. If I may ex give an example of or one of the examples I like most is Tinder, right? Dating platforms are incredibly difficult to to create. You know, you have to balance out the first the genders, the location. Um, there has to be same demographics as well, same age group, um, uh, <laughs> even same attractiveness level. Otherwise, people are not going to get matches. Um, so that's why the dating industry really, really failed to get a good dating platform until Tinder came along. Well, I. I mean, if it's good or bad, I'll leave that to the viewers. But it, it's a successful company. What they did was they went to um, colleges and they went to a college student and they asked, uh, or a college student whose, whose birthday it was on the weekend and said, we will host your birthday. We will provide the venue. We'll provide uh, everything, DJ, music, and, and, and um, bounces as well um, for free if every single one of your guests uh, shows a filled out Tinder profile. And they're like, okay, cool. Okay, fine. We'll do it. 300, 400 kids, uni, uni students in one university go to that event. Um, and the next day, people would look at the Tinder, Tinder app and like, okay, who, who did I miss yesterday? Who did I, did I not speak to? Um, and, and that solved so many problems for them. They didn't have to do any advertising. Yes, there were some expenditures, but the leads or the users they got were perfect. It was the cool kids of the university, um, gender balanced, excuse me. And they did that from, uh, they went from college to college with that strategy, command and conquer strategy, right? And we, we did something similar with, uh, you know, with uh, act, activations within the community. And that really, that turned out great as well. Like we really started, you know, a larger scale events with Nahil and Damak through that, which was a, also a nice, nice impact. It's heavy lifting though, isn't it, Rene? Like two, two founders, a hundred communities, and you still have to build the tech and get the product right. So how many hours were you out picking up trash and posting? Oh gosh, that was, uh, <laughs> so it was, it was quite fun actually. So we'd wake up uh, early morning to avoid the heat. Um, and I think we did it with, uh, in around 30 communities and, and, um, 
every time it was maybe an hour, two hours cleaning up trash. And then we did subsequent uh, trash cleanups where we, you know, got a couple of neighbors together and we organized them on our application actually. Um, but I, I can't, but yeah, 30 times two plus extra. So we, 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 we did go... Do a lot, yeah. And if it works, is it something that you continue and as your team grows, you have other people to do those type of things? So that was, um, we still want to do a lot of activations. Uh, at the moment, we're not actively doing them because we just uh, stretch a bit thin. We've grown quite well um, uh, now and, and our focus is just to get, you know, to the next stage of fundraising as well, right? So, so the seed stage is our, is our focus. And after that, we actually want to have regular neighborhood meetups and they can be any flavor. Can be a cleanup, how we started, can be a bingo night, um, uh, at like a hotel, especially in summer, you can't really do a, do a cleanup. Um, but yeah, regular offline uh, meetups uh, is definitely part of the agenda and we'll do that with a team. Okay, fine. Okay, cool. So how many app downloads? What's the monthly active users you have now? So we currently have uh, 23,000 verified, uh, uh, tw verified users. So we have a verification process where um, a user has to verify their location. And this is one of the value adds that, you know, for example, WhatsApp or Facebook groups don't have. You have to verify via geolocation or Makani number or um, a utility document um, to sign up. So yeah, we're, and we've, we're, why is that important? to avoid spam and make sure the neighbors are verified. And that is really, that adds that layer of trust within oh, the see. community. So people aren't just trying to pretend to chat to people in a neighborhood they don't belong to. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, uh, I think the majority of Facebook groups that aren't well managed, uh, they're full of, let's say, movers and packers, disallowed salespeople, okay. or yeah, so on and so on. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, so 23,000, how active are those people? Are super active. So we get um, a, a very important metric that you look at uh, when you've got a network-based product is how many of the active users uh, return and use the app on a weekly basis. And that's called stickiness. Our stickiness is between 50 to 60, uh, 60%. So 60 to 50% of, uh, uh, of the active users return on a weekly basis. Mm. And then you can go down, okay, how many of the weekly active users use it on a daily basis? I think that's around 30 to 40%. But the, the those are really the, 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 the two metrics that we're focusing on during the Precede our North Star metrics was the retention rate and the stickiness, mm. um, and that proved to us okay, this is a product that we we can grow. And how do you? Is it free for them to use? How do you commercialize the app? Uh, the app is free to use for for all the residents. How we commercialize the application is through uh, our B two B model, where um, we give businesses uh, geo targeted marketing. So. At the moment, digital marketing, as I'm sure you also know, is, is extremely expensive and it's getting also more inefficient because um, uh, advertisers cannot rely on third-party data anymore. Now, I'm not going to go into the technical aspect of it, but yeah, traditionally, Facebook, Google, those kind of advertisers, they collect your data from all apps to create a profile around, uh, about you and then target you. That's no longer the case, especially with I iOS. Um, but with Hai, the, 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 the neighborhood and the location data is part of the application. When you're signing up, you're signing up to your building, you're signing up to your neighborhood. Um, and that's why we don't rely on third party data. Uh, and when a cafe or a gym just wants to advertise to, um, uh, a couple of buildings around them, let's say three buildings around them, we can give them that advertising space. So from both sides, we get. Uh, higher quality leads for for the customers, especially the small local businesses. Um, and from a user perspective, they're seeing more relevant ads. Those are those are ads and offers that are directly around them. And so, what is the ad unit that they're buying? Is it a, is it a, a native ad unit? Like, is it you know the way Google have their 
PPC, which is just text, or yeah. is it a display ad, or is it a feed post, a self-serve platform in the future like Facebook? What's the mm. ad unit? So uh, at the moment, it's just like a sponsored post, right? So it's it's very, very simple at this stage. It's a, it's an image. Uh, it's a call to action, a bit of text information, and uh, yeah, that call to action links to, let's say, the, the app store if an, or if an, if an app is uh, advertising or payment gateway websites, anything somebody would uh, want to lead the user to is linked to uh, to the post. And how do you sell it? Is it a CPM or? So no, we have, uh, we, we're selling it on a subscription basis. Now down the line, we'll be having an, more of a sophisticated ad manager, but at the moment businesses buy a monthly or an a- annual subscription um, to have access to the neighbors that are, are meaningful to them. Either one neighborhood, a couple of neighborhoods, a cluster, uh, or the, in, the entire city, which is more interesting to, um, to corporates. For okay. Okay. So what, What's the most active community you have? Uh, I would say JVC. JVC is that's 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 JVC. where I lived for, for a while. So JVC was a, was our main community and that surrounding area. So JVT, Sports City as well. But JVC, I would say, is the one we're focusing on most. And how many people live in total JVC? Oof. So uh, I think the numbers they keep changing because yeah. like, JVC grows so quickly. Um, but uh, I've, I've like some I've heard uh, fifty thousand. I've heard hundred thousand. I've seen. I've heard very very varying numbers. Yeah. But I think around yeah between fifty and hundred thousand. You might even you no, might know better know. than I. Yeah. I do. But it's growing a lot, and you see construction every day. So it's it's quite a chunk. Okay. So say there's a hundred. Say there's fifty thousand people. Ten percent use the high app. Mm. Five thousand, uh, and I'm a local restaurant and I know that I can target these people for a year. Mm. What's the subscription price? So that really varies. So mm. it, it, it varies at the moment. Um, uh, it depends also because we have two packages. Um, one is the actual digital ads, the targeted sponsored post. And the other thing is having a business profile. Mm. Excuse me. A business profile um, where a business is visible with all its information, its image, its logo, and also the offers that they're offering. Um, so those are two packages, depending on the on the combination uh, of what uh, of what they want. The price differs, and also if they just want one neighborhood, multiple neighborhoods, or or, or citywide. So if I remember correctly, the current rate um, uh, we just launched it in February, so we're still uh, you know adjusting the price, but it's for citywide, it's around around 10,000 um, if you're going for the maximum package. Okay, so I'm just trying to get at like, is it, you know, you're raising now, you're, you're sort of, is this what will be appealing to investors the revenue are do next door and others have different revenue streams as well. It's uh, so, so, uh, I love that question because this kind of app is not a not a one uh, utility app. So you really can diverse, diversify mm. in a lot of ways. Um, Nextdoor's revenue model is primarily ad based, um, but there are different styles of it, right? Different channels. Like I said just now, we have uh, the ads we call digital ads, target digital ads, and local offers, which is a business page, uh, and the offers um, both are on a subscription basis and next door has a very similar model so you have targeted ads and then you have local deals that's what they call it mm. um, now it's a, a yeah a, a, like a cost per click as well for for next door we have a subscription based uh, but purely just because in the beginning that's a much easier and more reliable way of monetizing mm. um, and it's just also not as tech heavy because ad managers are, are quite you need a you need some time to develop one properly and that's why we've got our CTO who's an ad tech <laughs> specialist and from a you know I get that uh, people in a local community 
ads could be interesting because mm. there's you're finding out what's happening in the local community but of course that's not the only reason people would use the app there's other yeah. utility things there's more natural things is the sickness part uh is there a chat feature uh, to connect to your neighbors uh and you know you brought up the point of tinder and one of the things that they have you know they're more successful if you don't if you stay single yeah so they, they, that's the dilemma yeah they so they're more <laughs> successful if you keep using the app yeah whereas in your point of view uh you know what what's um if people are chatting to each other if they're meeting neighbors like what, what's the kind of goal what what do you kind of keep wanting them mm. to come back for? Mm. That, that's a great point. And I loved you brought that up. That's that's the primarily dilemma of a dating app. If they do well, they're going to churn with churn their user base. But in the uh, in the neighborhood app app model, like I don't think we have that that problem because neighbors you you don't just choose one neighbor. <laughs> I think you you can be neighbors with a lot of people. But the reason people come uh, come back so often. So I, I'd like to refer to the topics that get posted. Number one is recommendations. They're actually asking for or giving recommendations around the area, like okay, is there what's the nursery you recommend uh, nearby? Uh, are there any cafes that you know have good coffee so shops, um, uh, gyms, uh, you name it? That's the primary use case. The secondary is really to meet up, meet people, right? They, 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 they I've, it's always great when I when I speak to some of the users. I've um, always strike up a conversation. I, I message them, be like, hey, look, let's go for a coffee. I'd like to hear your experience on hi, and it's amazing to see when um, somebody actually makes an offline meeting right an offline connection um, like uh, one of our users said that you know how he changed their life and now they wake up every day 6am to go uh, uh, running with a buddy next door that they didn't know and th they didn't have the motivation before or now they've started a business and they've uh, connected with uh, you know a marketing consultant that lives right next door to them um, so when we add when we add real value to somebody's life on an, in an offline way, that's 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 when we say, okay, this is what we made the app for. Mm. Um, but what keeps people coming is, I think, uh, also like a like a FOMO element. People want to know what's happening around them. Um, so I think that's 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 also an attribution to the high retention and high stickiness. Okay, interesting. So uh, going back a little bit, so after the pandemic, uh, you you know you're going to be doing a startup. You've raised. A pre-seed round. Mm. What's what was the next step? Where did you get the license? And when you're setting up a company like this, what activity do you put it under? What do you call it? Do you call it a social network? Do you get a social network license? Oh, okay. So yeah, that's no, we don't have a specific social network license. So we just had an operational company. We were within we're within five Tcom, mm -hmm. um, and that was the first thing we did. So even before we got the pre-seed investment, we we we, we incorporated. We joined an, a great incubator incubator here called In Five. Um, <clears throat> down in Media City, um, and so the and then we have to open a bank uh, bank account, uh, which took some time. So every time I would advise any entrepreneur to really open up a bank account in advance, especially when you get an investment, you don't want to be sitting on checks and waiting for the bank account to open. Mm. Um, so just do that in advance. I would I would I would advise um, join a nice incubator. There are a lot of good incubators here that are government uh, government backed, um, and they have great networking events as well. Um, and yeah, that, that's that's how, that's how it went with the licensing. Now you also need a holding company, right? So you've got an operational company, then a holding company, especially when you're getting um, 
uh, investors, international investors. And the two main holding uh, jurisdictions for holding companies here in the UAE is ADGM and DIFC. If you're a fintech, you go with DIFC. If you're a normal tech uh, like us, you go to ADGM usually. C fees are really, really low, subsidized, great events. And the ADGM uh, opening the holding company didn't take long at all. That was really, really quick. And you did that. So you didn't do the sort of BBI Delaware thing. Oh, th those are also. I mean, options. those those are also options. But ADGM is for sure the cheapest. Mm. Uh, Delaware is. Uh, I think if you have uh, an uh, an American investor, for example, early on board, and they will help you with the fees, I'd say you could go ahead with uh, Delaware or Cayman Islands if you're primarily sourcing from uh, regional VCs. Um, ADGM should be more than enough. Most startups I know are with ADGM. And, but your original focus is this region, and were your invest were your first investors from this region or a mix? Yes, so it was uh, just from this region. So our aim was always okay. We saw UAE as a great springboard, and we're you know extremely passionate about Dubai as being our home, and we want to want to create that smart city vision. Um, but also from like an entrepreneurial and a VC perspective, you need to get a big market. Otherwise, VCs aren't really interested in you. Um, so Saudi Arabia and Egypt are are the next main markets we're looking at. And in general, in general, in the startup ecosystem, these are the three main players because you don't have one big country like the US where the US is enough. You need those three uh, three markets. Um, and during our pre-seed, uh, we we wanted to be quite strategic about it. So we got uh, a local institutional investor in in, in the UAE, um, then a, a Saudi angel investor, and then a government-backed investor actually in uh, in Cairo. So Falak Startups is the incubator arm or the, the early stage arm of Egypt Ventures. Honestly fantastic accelerator slash VC. They helped us in Egypt so, so much. So big shout out to the Falak, Falak startups team in, in Cairo. Um, but yeah, appreciate, I appreciate good accelerator programs. And when you're part of it, it's, it's great. It sounds like you were well received with your idea in the startup community. When, when you're pitching now for say a seed round, uh, what's the appetite at the moment? What's the current zeitgeist or climate around investing mm. and is it a harder sell to sell social networks do you have to tag web3 on the back of it or ai <laughs> or you know because uh, I, I, yeah. i'm joking in a way because lots of people are just doing that to get valuations yeah. higher it's the, they're the buzzwords right but like social networks uh were sort of buzzy 15 years ago like yeah. you know what's what's the how's the pitch going down these days yeah that, i think uh, it's no secret and that in general the tech ecosystem the economy in general is a little bit um hesitant but specifically tech with everything that's happened um svb now recently as well um so I think in general, it's, it's a bit difficult for, for startups to fundraise. In our case, it's, it's going well. We've got some VC investment, uh, VC, VC commitments, which is great. We're still working on the round. Um, yeah. But um, uh, if, if you take social networks specifically, like the VC, the, the, the tech ecosystem is very trend-driven, right? AI is the big, big thing now. I have a really good friend who's got an AI startup. And just after chat GP, GPT, boom, closed the round. I was fundraising for a couple of months, nothing. Then closed the round <laughs> immediately. Um, just because, ah, okay, chat, chat GPT, okay, cool, awesome. I'll, I'll invest. Um, but let's take social networks, for example. I think... Uh, there is a there is a theory that there's technological um, uh, bundling and unbundling uh, in any innovation uh, ecosystem. And if we take the social networking space specifically, um, Facebook undoubtedly bundled everything social networking uh, related. Right? You've got the you know the the forum based uh, uh, aspect to it, the marketplace, the entertainment aspect. Right? Kitten videos, um, uh, events, meetups, uh, really everything social networking related. Uh, but 
so often that, you know, if you focus on so many things at the same time, you're not really going to fulfill one need really, really well. I think quite recently we've been seeing successful niche social networks uh, popping up. One, I think the best example would be TikTok. They took the social media, the entertainment element of Facebook and perfected it, right? Mm. There's nothing more entertaining than than, than TikTok. Um, much, much more entertaining than than, than, um, than Facebook. And then the the groups feature, which is primarily used for lo location, right? Geolocation neighborhood groups. Nextdoor took that feature and perfected it, right? Nextdoor mm -hmm. in the US had a verifi proper verification system, really customized it to the neighborhood ecosystem, gave SMEs a place and so on and so on. Um, so I think we are in a time where uh, investors are seeing that. Oh, and then you've got other small ones like Be Real. I don't know if you've heard of Be Real. It's just like a Gen Z uh, snap the moment thing. Now the value proposition, I'm not quite sure of, but it's become very popular. Mm -hmm. Um, um, uh, so it's, I, I think Fair. it's, I, I get your yeah. point on social networks and, you know, there's in, in running community, there's Strava and there's, there's niche things, but I think the, the question and the pushback on that is, is it a feature or is it a platform? Because yeah. some of these things that break away and just create a feature, then they, f they fail to create the network effects of platforms. Like be real is a good example. It's, yeah. it's just a feature, right? Like. TikTok added that feature on the app or, yeah. you know, Snapchat had stories and then Instagram added yeah. stories because it was a feature. Yeah. It's not, it's, there's no moat around it. It's not, it's not in and itself a platform. And I, I know you're not just building a feature, but I, I guess the point you were making is that niche can work now as, as social networking becomes mm. more mature. I think uh, the most important thing is, and that applies to the entire uh, startup ecosystem, when you're building a startup, when you're building a product, be very clear on the problem you're solving, like almost to a philosophical level. And that's not that easy most of the time. So if you think about, okay, what, uh, what problem is high solving, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, and I think that's when the feature gets distinct from, uh, you know, an actual product. Be like high's problem or the problem that we're solving is very simply put information exchange within the local community, within a geographic confine. Um, and that's, uh, that's a problem where you can build a solution and you can build features around it. Um, just like LinkedIn, what is LinkedIn actually doing? LinkedIn is solving the problem of information exchange within a professional community. Facebook is solving the problem of information exchange within a friendship community. What is Be Real doing, right? What's the problem they're solving? I'm, I don't think I'm the one to answer it. <laughs> Maybe the, f the founders will. Um, but I, I think you get my point, right? So, uh, and, and, and that's, that should always be the driving question for when you're developing the product. How do you improve information exchange within the community? How do you make it faster? How do you make it more relevant? So things like notification systems and spam control mechanisms is things we really, really worked on. And that's, that's how we improved our retention rate. Um, but yeah, I think that that's the most important thing is be clear about the problem that you're solving down to the most simplest level. A couple of thing, things that people criticize of social networking is brand safety, uh, you know, uh, negativity around mm. society and hate speech and a lot of things like that. I won't focus on that side, mm. but I prefer really to focus on the other part, which is the creator economy mm. and the people, the creators, the people driving the retention on these platforms feel as if they haven't got their lion's share of, you know, the platforms have made a lot mm. of the profits. When you were ex describing, uh, you know, behavior on high earlier, you mentioned that people would post what's happening and they would post things. Do you, do you feel like you need to incentivize them now mm. or in the future? 
Uh, I think that's a great point. I think, uh, especially when you take stuff like like YouTube or, or Twitch, I think is one of the biggest ones where there really is just like a very top, like 1% of the, the, the creators that really benefit from it. And obviously the platform itself. Um, I actually have, so we were part of the Takadam Accelerator program in Saudi Arabia, fantastic accelerator, one of the best we were part of. Um, and uh, I met amazing startups then one of them was also social network that was tackling exactly this problem was i'm not going to go into depth uh, um, of it but it's a uh, the the platform's called heroes and they are a gaming um a gaming short clip streaming uh, uh platform mm. and they really saw uh, uh, a problem with okay the users the audience is kind of and the small creators are left out of that value chain. So how do we incentivize them? And then they incorporated in, uh, you know, in a technical way, and I'm not going to go into details with it, but ways for users to get rewarded uh, by just being on the platform. Now, there are a couple of things we're also looking at and considering, uh, still in the, in the blueprint stage, but at the moment... Um, to, for the numbers that we have, we don't have to incentivize them. So people do come out whenever they have a question, whenever they want to do something, they'll post or they cr they'll create something, right? Like mm -hmm. a like a content, um, and then you have the more passive users that just open it daily and 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 scroll through and see, okay, what's happening. Um, I think today. Um, there was, uh, what I saw on the application is there was like hail, right? So people, somebody posted, okay, watch out guys, there's hail and a picture of the, of the, of the hailstone. Mm. Um, so those are the things, you know, the more passive users look, look for. And, and a lot of users, a lot of neighbors just want to help neighbors, right? So what, uh, Rene, so next story is you mentioned they're listed. Is it still a zero sum game in social networking? Do you still have to be the biggest neighborhood in the world? Or is there a case of, you know, in this region, um, say 20% of, of the UE population, say 2 million people use your app here, mm. it's a big number, and then similar in Saudi and Egypt, or even less, mm. say 1 million in each of these markets. Is that enough? Would that satisfy you? Is that enough to deem this a success in 10 years' time? So uh, we want to be more than just 2 million in each of those markets. So we really want, we're targeting to have high penetration rate in all these three markets. That's that's our main main game. And going back to the model of social networking, um, it's, it's, First of all, it's it's a it's a great mode, right? If you have that network and you have that network effect, it's very difficult to replicate or come in because people are going to stay where the most people are. That's that's the essence of network effect. So from an investment point of view, that's quite attractive. There's a moat. You can't come in with, let's say, in the SaaS industry with just a cheaper product uh, and say, hey, look, we're charging one one dirham less, and then they'll 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 bounce. That doesn't really work with social networking. You need a product that retains the users. You grow that product, and when you have that user base, uh, you're typically uh, at least safe to some extent, right? Yeah. And and uh, now coming to your next question, um, Nextdoor is primarily focused on the Western market, so we really want to focus on the MENA region. And down the line, that could be a potential exit opportunity, right? Another social network or other uh, big tech that's interested in having a MENA entrance in whatever way um, as a, through like a merger and acquisition. Interesting. And Rene, when we spoke before, you, another tactic that you use, and obviously it's a benefit for property developers mm -hmm. that really focus on livability, they're building cities within cities, and having an app like this mm -hmm. ready-made is really attractive to them. So you're strategically partnering with lots of 
development companies? Yes, so we, we definitely. So down from the building manager to the larger ones, um, the larger ones take a little bit more time, but we were actually recently part of uh, the Amar Innovation Challenge. So we were one of the finalists for the Amar Innovation Challenge. Fantastic program, met some great startups. Um, and that's when we you know, got to you know, speak to the heads of the various departments. And now we're in talks to see how we can synergize partnership uh, in some way. Okay, great. And finally, we always ask on this uh, podcast, you know, you obviously grew up here. The Middle East is often set as an emerging market. Are you optimistic about the region for the future? Do you think it's a market that will emerge? No, definitely. So I'm I, I'm immensely patriotic, even though I'm not Emirati, but I feel that way uh, about the Dubai, UAE. I think uh, what's happening in Saudi is amazing as well. I think it's going to make the Saudi economy quite recession proof. And the more um, you know, uh, the more the Saudi economy grows and attracts uh, you know foreign talent, uh, I think UAE can only benefit from that. Um, so I, I I have very very strong confidence in in the UAE, Saudi Arabia, uh, Egypt as well. Uh, they having a bit of a you know currency issues but I'm, I'm kind of that that fixes itself usually down the line uh, I think the a lot of emerging markets are under a bit of stress but what I love about the UAE uh, and now as an extension of that you know the GCC and the um, and Saudi Arabia is the speed at which they uh, make decisions I see that as a, as a, as a tech entrepreneur entrepreneur myself um, that the government is really behind innovation behind tech every year when you live in the UAE you, you don't know what's going to happen next year right you're always excited and looking forward to something else me being half German very used to bureaucracy in, in, in Germany I think in general in Europe in Ireland as well um, the, 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 in the, the, the government's mainly just you know fighting over basic things solving problems like building an airport or something that takes ages um, the quickness of decision making is fantastic here and the vision the long-term vision behind it is amazing and you don't really get that in let's say Europe nobody no government looks 30 years into the future but in Dubai they do wow okay great note to finish on thanks very much for sharing the story of Hai and we'll follow it in the future thank you so much Rich awesome it was <laughs> great, to, great to be here thanks a lot That was really interesting. Uh, Renee and I sat down at Step Conference this year. We had a long chat and then we, it was good to take it to the podcast. There's similar companies like this that we've interviewed over the years on Dubai Works. One is called My Community and then another one is called Ask Who. If you're interested in this type of social networking and community-based companies in the region, thank you to everyone who helped put into this show together. Ali Khalil and Ali Baba in the studio and Shahir Al-Kindi. Uh, who works on the organization of the guests and the producing uh, the show and then also the team uh, who work on distribution so Lana and Fadwa uh, in our team in Egypt and also the team on Love in Dubai who put this article uh, about the show up every week uh, Annika usually does that in Dubai so thank you it's a big team helping uh, get this out I was told yesterday there was 13,000 listens for the month of March uh, which is great. Uh, the numbers keep going up on Dubai Works and I really appreciate you all for listening. If you are, do like, comment, subscribe on any of the platforms that you're on. Leave a review uh, on Apple Podcasts or you know push it out on Spotify, Angami, Podio, wherever you listen. It is available in video format on smart TV devices. There's a subscription there, but you can get a free trial. Download the Smashy TV app. Uh, thank you and we'll be back next week at 11 o'clock on Friday with a new episode.
This show is brought to you by the Augustus Media Podcast Network. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed it.